Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? I'm Egbert, the owner of this station. Check out my website at Egbert.com. That's E-G-G-B-U-R-T, Egbert.com. Now it's back to Brad and John. Check out their website at BJShow.co. The BJ Show? Come on, guys. Anyway, here's B and J. Might help if I turn on the wrong microphone, the right microphone. Uh, Egbert doesn't like our promos. He doesn't like anything we do, John. What's the deal with that? Well, here's the thing. With all due respect to Egbert, we're getting a whole lot of love, and we appreciate the love that we're getting from listeners, people who listen live, people who listen to the podcast. So you know what? We could we could make that argument to Egbert, or maybe not. I think things are things are good the way they are, Brad. Well, we just have to wait and see. Okay, normally at this point in time, I defer to John Combest. That's who that is. I'm Brad Hildebrand. He's John Combest, and he gives his... Top three. John does this website every day for the past 22 years, every single day, Christmas, holidays, you name it, he does it. And he lists all the links uh, to the important events going on, important events, stories, things like that going on in the state of Missouri, johncombest.com. And normally, at this point in time, I say, John, give us the top three. I'm going to give you a list of the things that I want to talk about today. Okay, you ready for this? Fantastic. I'm ready. Let's Take do notes. it. I love switching it up. you got to keep it fresh, Brad. Jason at KWMU. I met him on Friday. That was interesting. Yeah, isn't okay. he great? NPR on January 6th. Okay, I list NPR over the weekend. And once again, NPR to me is like, well, I won't say it. Odyssey. We've talked about them. They're the owners of a bunch of stations here in St. Louis. Camo X, Y98, KZK. The NRA. Uh, Bill Eigel. Uh, Jay Ashcroft and Mark Reardon from 97.1, all things I want to talk about this morning. Great. But first, John's going to give us the top three stories on johncombest.com for today. The top three stories from the weekend, starting from our show on Friday, in the interim over the weekend. Number three is via the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and it's an inspirational tale about how to steal pandemic lunch money. A gentleman in the St. Louis area who has the uh, inimitable name, Howard Hughes III, was highlighted in the Post-Dispatch yesterday. He was a key figure in the, in the tale of a theft of nearly, allegedly, $20 million. Whoa. In, go ahead, Brad. I said, whoa. That's what I said when you said yeah, 20 oh, million. Sorry, I, I, thought, I thought you were interjecting no. because maybe you knew this man. No. You know, you hang out with a lot of Howard Hughes over the years. <laughs> yes. But the woman at the center of this case was highlighted by Post-Dispatch and other outlets over the last year. Her name is Connie Bobo, not to be confused with Bobo the Clown, although some would probably make that assertion. But she is a, uh, we'll call her an urban entrepreneur. Who is able to? Uh, who is accused of defrauding the federal child nutrition program out of eleven million dollars, and using the money to buy real estate and luxury goods? Now, now, now she's now Howard. Go she, ahead, Brett. She's the one. If I'm not mistaken, she's the one that bought the fancy house in St. Charles County, isn't she? Yeah, the it's one? right by Waffle Horse Park. You're yes, right. yes, yes, yes. And and so why? So, but why not? I mean, here's <laughs> the thing: if you're providing a couple well, free lunches to kids. 
using pandemic money, why shouldn't you live in a nice house? Well, and by the way, why shouldn't your boyfriend get a brand new Mercedes G? I guess it wasn't new. It was 2017, so it was it was an old model. But the feature from the Post Dispatch yesterday highlights the life of luxury that this gentleman was living, thanks to your taxpayer dollars. And it's an inspirational piece. It shows that if you can reach out to a woman who's got a good alleged scheme to get her hands on some on some Biden bucks or some pandemic money, why not? Like, why not enjoy the fruits of your labor? It turned out to be a bit of a tangled web that he weaved. He's facing some lawsuits here and there. Amazingly, some people want some of their money back, which I think is is pretty selfish of the feds. But so that's the number three story. And you can find that on yesterday's johncombest.com. Once again, if you don't want to pay the post-dispatch subscription fee, I have a unique link that allows you to circumvent the STL Today paywall. The number two story is a topic that we discussed on Friday, and that is the open congressional seat, the seat that is being vacated at the end of the term of U.S. Representative Blaine Lutkemeyer. And on Friday, on Mark Reardon's show on 97.1 FM in St. Louis, State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman announced that she will be running for that seat. Yes, She's I heard that. She's the first announced candidate and what is likely to be a free-for-all in that district. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, I'm sorry, Brad, go ahead. I said it was. it's going to be interesting, and ironically, I was listening to Mark Reardon's show on Friday and heard her right off the top of the, the, the wow, show it's at nice. 3 o'clock. I have, I have the clip up on my website. I linked to it, yeah. I believe, on Saturday and maybe again yesterday. Yeah. So you can find that as well at johncombest.com. Rosenbaum has a great piece that that really breaks down the top contenders for that. Scott Fawn has a has a piece from last week that mentions the top contenders too. It is guaranteed when you have a safe partisan seat, whether it's for a Democrat seat or a Republican seat, you're going to have a free for all based on geography, based on where people are in their state legislative terms. So keep an eye on that. We'll be talking about that for a long time. And the number one story over the weekend was Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft indicated that there's a possibility that Joe Biden could be kept off the Missouri ballot. And more specifically, that Joe Biden could be kept off ballots in multiple states. So the the notion there is that if the U.S. Supreme Court were to indeed uphold the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that Donald Trump will not appear on the Colorado ballot, Secretary of State Ashcroft is saying that that opens the door for state Republican parties or Republicans and Republican states, I should say, to keep Joe Biden off the 2024 presidential ballot. If it sounds like a lot of posturing, it is not necessarily from from Senator Ash or excuse me, from Secretary of State Ashcroft's part. But it does show the the ridiculous state that we could be in if Colorado keeps President Trump off the ballot. Well, and then I would just also plug from my website today uh, other key stories. Scott Fawn show this week in Missouri politics has every legislative leader. So the two top senators in the Missouri Senate, Democrat and Republican, the two top House members, House Super Minority Leader Crystal Quaid, House Speaker Dean Plocker, they go through their top agenda items for the legislative session. As always, I have timestamps for the show. So if you just want to listen to Caleb Rowden, or you just want to listen to John Rizzo, click on the timestamp. You could listen to the timestamp. If you're a red-blooded female and you, you just you love Dean Plocker's strong jawline, oh, or you're a man and you just want to watch Crystal Quaid and put it on mute, 
the timestamps are available there for you. you so know, those are our top three stories. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the John Ash, uh, the Jay Ashcroft thing. I keep wanting to call him John. Jay Ashcroft thing. Um, I read that article about him, and he essentially is saying in so many words that he's doing it as a farce because he's essentially saying, look, if these people can keep Trump off the ballot, I can keep Biden off the ballot. And I think he uses the reasoning that Biden has violated the Constitution by allowing to people to come into our country through the border, essentially. Right. right. And it, at this point, it's 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 what we talked about. It's There's a lot of posturing there. Right. And and in. Ashcroft's defense, there are legislative proposals that would do the same thing. Senator Rick Bratton, who, who comes from the western part of Missouri, pointed out on social media this weekend that he's introduced a Senate bill that says that any candidate who is currently under an impeachment proceeding cannot appear on a ballot. So that of course means that of course means Joe Biden. Right. And Bill Eigel is in the in the thing as well too. He's doing right, the same thing. So yeah. there's all these people. Okay. Now let me backtrack a couple things here. Okay. Last Friday we had Mark McCluskey on the air. Okay. That's right, we did. And he said that he was considering a conditional district uh, CD3, Mo3, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, because he lives very close to there. Now, you also, uh, and, and give me your name again. Uh, what, Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman. You could just call her MEC. MEC. Not to be confused with the Missouri Ethics Commission. It's interesting because she does not live in that district as well either, and she says she lives very close to it. And that the question was, you know, once again, we talked about this on Friday. Friday, that the way the laws are set up is you can run for a congressional district that you don't live in, but right. if you are elected, you do have to move there. So in other words, you have to live there. Correct. Although, although, don't tell that to to uh, what's his face. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, man, I'm a bit bad at names this morning. I think Bill I'd, Clay. No, 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 no. Who's the who's the obnoxious guy from California that did the Senate that did the impeachment thing with uh, with uh, with Trump? The first one, impeachment number one. Uh, you know, uh, what's his name? The 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 guy who looks like like a robot. He talks like a robot. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, did you say robot? Uh, excuse me, robot. <laughs> I, you said I get. Robot. I get. I get. Uh, I don't know. It's well, not Schiff. It's not. Adam yeah, yeah, Schiff, yeah, yeah. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Adam Schiff. It's interesting because. He's in a little bit of trouble, but yet he'll get out of it because he technically doesn't live in California anymore. He lives in Maryland. And the reason they they say that is because he applied for a home loan and where he put down on the home loan where, and once again, I know people are going to go, well, he applied for a home loan. Okay. When you go to the bank and you put down wrong information, that is called bank fraud, correct? Yeah, for sure. If you say you live in Maryland and that's what you put down on your bank uh, bank loan application. You must live in Maryland. So anyway, he did that. But going back to the to the thing with Jason, uh, with with uh, with uh, um, God, I'm all messed up. Mary Elizabeth Coleman. No, but going back to no, my we interview we had where we got a little bit of news oh, from McCluskey, yeah. Mark McCluskey. Okay, so he says he's going to be at this event in St. Charles, which I didn't know about. So I went to that event, and who's the first person I run into? Jason Rosenbaum. That's right. St. Louis Public Radio's own. <laughs> right. And I told him, I said, look, I'm going to give you my compliment. I think you're the journalist journalist. I mean, you do a heck of a job. It's not like you're, you know, like you're, it's like, it's old school journalism, which nobody practices any, anymore. So the bizarre thing is, then he starts quoting me things that I've said because right. he listens to the show. Well, let me ask you a serious question, Brad. Like, why are you surprised by that? Uh, you know... 
I guess as long as I've been in this business, I'm always surprised by people that like I view as like sort of icons, you know, like to him, he's like, to me, he's a journalistic icon because you even said he was doing video back in 2000, what, 2008, 2006. Oh yeah. And, And a little bit before that, actually. Yeah. I mean, he pioneered that. Right, right. Here's a guy who is a, I would say in the, in the, in the true sense of the word, a true journalist where when you listen to him, you're not exactly sure where he's coming from. You know, it's, and, and, and isn't that a throwback? Yeah, isn't that, that a compliment? That's exactly what it is. I don't mean to, to derail, but I, I will pile on here, Brad. And th- I promise this will be the last positive thing I say about Jason for a while because I just – I say a lot of uh, glowing things about him and I hope it doesn't give him any heat. He passes the ego test, which is if you're, if you're a guy and you have a guy friend or you have a female friend or whoever and a good test is – can you do something that for some people might check their ego a little bit? For example, Brad Hildebrand and John Combest enjoyed dunking on St. Louis Public Radio. Right. Now, Jason could be, I won't say this word on the air, but he could be a little female dog about it if he wanted to and complain and be defensive and passive aggressive about it. But he's not. And so that shows that he his ego isn't so big that John and Brad can't can't poke a little bit at St. Louis Public Radio, and Jason would internalize that and get real mad and not talk to well, us and be rude to Brad or something see, like it's, that. It's funny you should mention that because him and I just began to spar a little bit because of the fact that yeah. he's setting up his stuff and and he first off and I said to him I said Jason I said just exactly what I've said to you I said what I'm disappointed with your station is you've got all this staff you've got all these news people and you do only one hour of local programming a week you know yeah. a, a day and he goes and what did he have to say about it well he was going well we do a lot of local I go Jason once again you take network feeds all day long with the exception of your local show at noon Everything is network. You may have local cut-ins during, you know, morning edition and and all things considered and stuff like that. But it's it's national programming that you you know sw- you know shoehorn a couple little lo- local newscasts in, you know, and you do no local programming. You've got this huge staff, you know, and and he was starting. Oh, and, and and then the other thing was, and he comes right out and says to me, and apparently. <laughs> He remember me talking about this, the fact that they've gone union. Right. And yeah. he told me he's the guy that did that. Yeah. He's the guy that started the union push. Yeah. And I said, I said, I have a real problem with that. And it was sort of funny because standing right next to us was a Channel 2 photographer who I know is IBW, so his ears sort of perked up. And I said to Jason, what I've said to you, I've said on the air, I've said anybody. I have no problem with unions. I do have a couple problems with unions, but that's a whole other story. But I have been a union member. I was a member of AFTRA. I was a member of IBW Local 4, both local unions, okay? My problem is that he works for a government company, a government agency, and it's unionized. I don't think that government should have unions within them because I think that what happens on that is that you can't, you, you, you get into a situation where the unions are more powerful in a governmental situation than in a private sector situation. And you could see this with air traffic controllers or right. anything in, in that regard, right? Right, because of the fact it's a little bit different when you got guys who are working, you know, at Shell Oil Refinery who go on strike, but yet when you got it, it's a little bit different, and it's a lot different when you have people that work for the federal government. And he actually sort of said, I can't remember his exact words, he said, well, I'll give you that. 
you know, the idea being is that that you know, once again, if it's if it's if it's ninety seven one that goes union, and if or if it's you know, I mean, they're you know, or Egbert one hundred four point right, Egbert one hundred four point five goes union. I get that, but see, the other thing is my problem. The whole situation with unions. If you go back to the history of unions, unions did a lot of good things for the people way back Unquestionably. when be- because Correct. of the fact that there were no there was no OSHA and you had you had people performing dangerous duties on their job and the boss just said you know the the worker could said well if I do that I might get my hand cut off and the boss would said yeah well you know what we can find somebody else with two hands so just do what I'm telling you to okay right. once again the unions came in and cleaned a lot of that up but now with OSHA it's to the point where it's like okay the unions are like really not in a position to do that anymore because all you got to do if there's something if there's a safety issue on a work site being union or non-union you drop a dime to the OSHA people and the guy comes out and he inspects you know I love the fact that you use the antiquated phrase drop a dime and we have folks that are Gen Z right now (laughs) listening to this on the drive to Jefferson City to start the legislative week that are like what does it mean to drop a dime (laughs) now Brad we're up against time I will say for Rosenbaum's part you know he like he doesn't control what the what the station how much oh, I is, is national and how much is local. I understand. So if it was up to Jason Rosenbaum, I'm sure they would have a lot more local coverage. But but here's my analogy. Okay, here's my analogy. Okay, you've got a team. Let's say you've got we go back to football. We had the St. Louis Rams. Okay, we've got the St. Louis Rams. And we've got, you know, Kurt Warner and and all the big guys from, you know. Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. The the greatest show on turf, okay? And the coach has gotten sitting on the bench. And you go to the game and you're going like, okay, where's where's the big guys at, okay? KWMU has a whole team, a whole bench full of really good people that never make it on the air. Never. Uh, Agree. Agree. You I mean, got Wisentowski, you got Rosenman, right. you have some really good, really right. good people there. And, I agree. and they sit on the bench, and what do you get? And the sad part of this is, it's my complaint with 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 uh, religious radio with this company called EMF, where mm. all they do is you they call them the God Squad. Right? Well, they they buy a station, they stick a satellite dish in the transmitter site, and they just run the same program. You can drive cross country, and I've done it before between here and Kansas City. I've hit the button, the scan button. I've heard. Uh, uh, you know, uh, K-Love on five different stations. It's the same damn thing, okay? There's no local programming whatsoever, okay? And that's, and and what I say, that's a waste of broadcast spectrum because of the fact that nowadays you can just stream that. You know, it's back in the day. Now, their point, though, I think, Brad, station management would say, well, if you want the information badly enough, you should go to St. Louis Public Radio's website and read it there. But I'm a, I'm listening to the radio. They're a radio station. They're called St. Louis Public Radio. It, <laughs> They're not St. Louis Public website. Right. I'll give you that. I'll it, give you it's that. not St. Louis. I can't believe you have me defending St. Louis Public Radio. It's not St. Louis Public website like you said. It's St. Louis Public Radio. <laughs> That's good. We should. That should be part of our shtick. I'm going to start referring to it as St. Louis Public website on when I do the top three. All I'm saying is put your A team on the air, do local news, you know, and on the weekends they do zero local programming. It's all it's all, you know, most of it's canned stuff from the network except for, hey, you know, th- this message was brought to you by Diane Reams Voice Box. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we have to move on from that. I'm not going to take another shot at Diane, Diane Reims. Okay, it's 723. 